0: on, so on. Good. let's pray again heavenly father we bless you once again we thank you lord for you invite us into your presence this is your house this is your church we thank you lord for saving us and for fulfilling fulfilling the promise of the coming of the holy spirit to lead and guide us in all truth. We commit the rest of the service unto your hands. May your will and purpose be fulfilled. In the name of Jesus, Amen. amen. <coughs> The work of the Holy Spirit and the believers, that's the topic, and part two today. Part two is the testimony and the acts of the Holy Spirit in the early church. But I will very quickly skip through uh, some of the things I mentioned or did not complete last time before getting into the actual topic for today. Now, last time we spoke of, about the, the promise and the person of the Holy Spirit. One verse I did not quote is 1 uh, John 5, 7. There are three in heaven that bear witness. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. That's a very, very important verse. Yes, it does say, and the three are one. Now that verse has been seriously attacked. Under intense attack by people who want to reject the biblical idea of the Trinity. But that verse is there. There's nothing we can do about it. And we can see that even in the work of salvation, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work together in our salvation. When it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, the spirit that raised Christ. So the Trinity is working hand in hand, in partnership, in the same direction, in the work of salvation, and in the ministry. For you see, God sent his Son, God the Father sent the Son, and God the Father and God the Son sent the Holy Spirit. When we say we exalt Jesus Christ in his church, we can only do that by the Holy Spirit. You see, for the Holy Spirit who knows the heart of the Father of God in heaven, is taking off what belongs to God and giving us and return to God. God is self-sufficient and needs nothing. I'm reminded, after the resurrection, by the sea, I think it was Peter's idea to tell the other disciple, folks, let's go fishing. They went there. Peter, we're talking about a professional fisherman. And all night, there was no catch. In the morning, Jesus Christ was there, probably they didn't recognize him, he asked them, fish, and they say we walked all night, we didn't catch anything, and then he gave them instruction, cast the net on that side, and they caught a lot of fish, I think 150 large fish. And as they were battling with the net, with with, with trying to control the situation, they came, they found on the fire, there was fish already, and the Lord had prepared breakfast for them. The Lord is is not lacking anything. We're not helping him in anything. You see, sometimes people think, oh, you see, God in heaven is so lonely, he needs me. Myriads of angels, myriads of angels. It's for our own benefit and edification. It's a grace to worship God. God is not lonely at all. Think about that. The same applies to suffering. Say, so count it all for as joy for suffering for Christ. We're not experiencing the same level of suffering, but those who suffer for Christ more than others have a special grace for that, and on that day it will be revealed. That's why the Lord says, count it all as joy to suffer for him. Not as a thief, murderer, adulterer, but for Christ, for righteousness. On that day, we will see the difference in those things. So, One thing I didn't say last time was the. Let's read first, Act chapter two, verse thirty-eight. That's the main reading for today, by the way. So, Act chapter two, from verse thirty-eight. <coughs> Acts 2, 38 to 41 and then 47. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, this last sentence here, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved, does not mean that we are in the process of being saved. It only means that People who are, who are being saved, people God was continuously saving every day, were being added to the church. It does not mean those who were in the process of being saved. As if the certainty will only come when the Lord comes. No. John, in 1 John 5.13, and I really like and love that verse, it says, I have written to you these things so that you may know that you have eternal life, you who believe in God. Now Catholics have had a real problem with that verse. I have written these things to you that you may know, certainty. Now the deliverance, complete deliverance of our bodies, that is a separate thing. That will be delivered at the restoration of everything. Then our physical body will not be subject to decay, sickness, things like that. But as far as our soul is concerned, the Lord has saved it. As we received him, we confess, we gave, we entrust, we commit our lives into his hand and we receive him. We were saved, Past. Now, from the scripture we've just read here, there seems to be a standard, a pattern here. In the New Testament model of the church, is repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, things may change slightly sometimes. The feeling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit sometimes may come before The baptism of water. I find that in chapter 10 in the house of Cornelius. As Peter was teaching, they were listening with faith to what he was saying. The Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with new tongue, etc. And that was a defining sign for the Jewish believers who were there, who were resisting... And Peter said there's nothing, no way, no alternative. We can't refuse baptism to these people who have received the same spirit as us. It was a convincing action what happened the other day. And then they were baptized. So you see, in that instance, people were baptized in the Holy Spirit before being baptized in water, but they were only baptized in the Holy Spirit as a result of them receiving, responding, to the world that was being given to them, salvation proclaimed to them, receiving by faith. And the Holy Spirit falling on them was unmistakable. They could not mistake that God had received. And that would be something really big in the life of Peter. For in chapter 11, wherever he had an occasion to witness, to testify, he would say, God has shown mercy. Surely I perceive that God shows no partiality. Salvation is gone to everybody now. The Holy Spirit. Remember that verse? Romans 8:9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, is not his. I call that politically incorrect. Inconvenient truth. Well, however, we want to see fix, we can fabricate our own theory, but without the spirit of Christ. I won't say we, anyone, without the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. You see, there are two things here. In John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as have received Christ, He has given them the right, the favor, jurisdiction, power to become children of Christ. God. Now, the word "rights" is a choice. Maybe the best choice. But the Greek word is exousia. Exousia. He has given to them exousia. rights, jurisdiction, power, privilege, favor, to become children of God. But to those people, the Lord say in Act 1, 8, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, you will receive power. So, although the word power can be found in John 1.12, it's also found in Act 1.8, but in Act eight is the word dunamis which is different from exousia, where we get the word dynamo. Dynamo, which converts mechanical energy into electrical energy. So as people are pedaling, doing activity, it's converting energy into electrical energy, you see? So that doesn't have any external source, it's there, and as someone is working, it's producing that energy. You see, this is the distinctive trait as we work with the Lord. In the passage here, Peter is saying, repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift. Now, the gift here, the word gift here, is not the same as the spiritual gift we know in Corinthians, the book of Corinthians. That is charisma from Caris, The word here, you will receive the gift, is the word Dorea, Dorea. The idea is this. In this country, in and in every country in the world, there is something called domestic, gross product, gross domestic product. Yeah. You see, that's the wealth, that is produced in a year, quantified in a year. Big, big massive numbers. When the government makes the announcement, Office of National Statistics, huge number, we've become richer, better off, that's good. But what really matters to you and me is your disposable income, is that right? Yes, is your disposable income. Well, it's even more important than the GDP per capita which is worked out by the government. It's actually what you get on your pay slip. Aha! Now you begin to see the picture. The Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost. That's great. He's come in the church. What does that mean to me as a believer or in my daily life? Charisma. What does it mean What is my share in that? You see, the difference between charisma and doria is that charisma is a gift, as in spiritual gift, that are given by God with no merit, with no precedence, no condition. It's just given to whomever God decides to give. But doria, there is some precedence. Remember in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 21, I think in a large house there are different vessels. Vessels of honor and vessels of common use. Common use and vessel of honor. If anyone keeps himself pure, cooperate with God, obeys God, God will make you a vessel of honor in his hands. Useful unto every good work. Vessel of choice in his hands. Can you see the difference there? Everyone has received the Holy Spirit. And then you begin to see the difference. Pastor John said, yes, we have the touch of God, but there is also something called our cooperation with God's plan which I call obedience to God, that makes the difference as believers as are working in the Lord. Makes a difference in fellowship, makes a difference in the service, makes a difference in the fruit, makes a difference in the outcome of the work. Well, we are not supposed to be just beating in the air now or running in a very unprofitable way now. We have to do things that yield fruits unto the glory of God. Not wasting space and to do that we need God. We need obedience to God. We need to play by his rules and the church must move in God's direction according to his will and purpose. The Holy Spirit remember was hovering on the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit does the same. That's what makes the difference between one congregation and another. One believer and another. Amen? Now, baptism. You see, baptism is not a trivial, it's not a negligible thing. I wonder why A believer can stay 5 years, 10 years, 15 years without getting baptized. That's disobedience. You see, I'm talking about baptism of water here. It's not a suggestion. It's not optional that Jesus who said that himself, the Lord said that, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Trinity. Trinity. And Peter read the same message to people who were listening to him. Repent and be baptized. It's not an option. It's obedience. Then move on. Then see God at work in other areas of your life as you move with him. But you've got to obey him. It's not optional. You see, the problem in the church today is the reduction of the whole person of the Holy Spirit to its manifestations. So when believers think of the Holy Spirit, they begin to take sides. Because they see the Holy Spirit as speaking in tongues. And because I don't like that, therefore I don't want to hear about the Holy Spirit. That's really, really irresponsible and bad. Those are gifts. God willing, after next week, we'll be talking about those ones in more detail, including controversial issues. But we must recognize that there is a problem. Here is the problem. On one hand, you have believers who exalt the gift of the Holy Spirit above anything else, above the world, above anything. I'm talking about the gifts. Jesus himself is not important. The word is not imp- all about gift, 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 gift. We don't know what is going on. We don't know whether it's biblical, whether it's ca- counterfeit, whether it's fake, demonic, we don't know. Gifts are exalted in a way that the testing mechanism, because the Bible says test all things. The testing tool is the Holy Spirit and the word of God. They are completely overlooked, and people are talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. That, that is very dangerous. I call that unbiblical addiction. And that's where you find all sorts of behaviors, all sorts of behavior uh, under the excuse that you know the Holy Spirit is like the winds. You hear the voice where but you don't know where it's coming, etc. And people say, I'm under the spirit. We can just start laughing, we can just start producing sound like animals, is okay, is the Holy Spirit. We don't see that supported by the Bible. Nowhere. So we need to test all things. That one problem in the church, and it's a big problem. On the other hand, spiritual gifts are. Almost despised. What do people replace with that? With the Holy Spirit? Heads knowledge. And it's a problem. And you find 100 opinions where there are 100 people. Preference. Preference takes precedence on the word of God. Next time, God willing, you will see how people have reduced the whole topic, the whole gift, to the speaking in tongues. That's really, really regrettable. And they've built a whole doctrine based on that. We'll be looking at some authors. Some of them might be your heroes. But that's a problem. That's a problem. And that an increase in competition for more and new knowledge without life has promoted human pride. That what I always believe, I can't change. Unlike mighty speakers like Apollos, who was willing to surrender. When not universal ministries, but just simple believers, Priscilla and Aquila, they just came to him. The Bible said they showed him a more accurate way. Apollos, very powerful, speaker, eloquent, refocused his preaching on Christ as a result of simple believer talking to him. Today, who are you to talk to inter-universal cosmic preachers? <laughs> who are you? What about Peter? Paul withstood him. He said, hypocrites, before we came you were eating with these people. Who are you? Can you say that to interplanetary teachers today? Impossible. Even if they are wrong, they have to continue because it's all about their reputation. That's not how it works. If you recognize your mistake is a blessing, you can write a book, You can do a program, TV program to say, oh, I used to believe this and that. I used to believe before that all the Jewish people are saved. But looking to the Bible, well, the time for national conversion will come, but not now. I used to believe that, I leave that for next time. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this second part here, people who reject the Holy Spirit and promote their own head knowledge, I call that unbiblical allergy. Unbiblical addiction, unbiblical allergy. Hypersensitivity. Because they want to control everything. You see the gift of the Holy Spirit keeps us humble. humble. God chooses whomever he chooses. He can give prophecy, to whomever you want to give prophecy. I stand there when there is a tongue in the church here and then our dear brother gives interpretation and I'm sitting there and say, how is that happening? How is that happening? I don't have that gift. It's supernatural. It keeps us humble. Someone prophesies, it keeps us humble. Someone ministering, it keeps us humble. But we live in a meritocratic society where people think they can do everything, therefore they cannot bear the idea that someone else, God can use him in a different way that he uses me. And that causes friction, tension, jealousy, conflict, division, human pride. That's not what the Bible says. We have two criteria. When it comes to the Holy Spirit and to the gift, humility and the love. Next time we shall see that. I keep on saying next time. If the Lord comes, he's even better. <laughs> Very quickly, I mentioned to you a typology by a man called David Stern who wrote the Jewish Bible Commentary. He identified four attitudes the narrow charismatics, the broad charismatics, the non-charismatics, and the anti-charismatics. We should all fit somewhere. (laughs) The narrow charismatics in this view, speaking in tongues is necessary and sufficient sign or evidence, I would say the only in this view, the only evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, according to this view, the non-charismatics and the anti-charismatics are regarded as either second-class believers or even non-believers. You have to speak in tongues. as the only sign. So that's this view. The second view is the broad charismatics. In this view, speaking in tongues is a sign, but not the only sign of baptism in the Holy Spirit, but neither necessary nor sufficient as evidence. However, this view recognizes that spiritual gifts are needed in the church and are still available today. Therefore, non-charismatics are tolerated Loved and accepted as fellow believers. Then you have the non-charismatics. In this view, people do not feel the need for spiritual gifts and have not themselves had any related experiences as described in the book of Acts. Here, the broad charismatics are believed to be mistaken but can also hold hold some truth. Therefore, they are tolerated, loved, and accepted as fellow believers. Then you have anti-charismatics. In this view, all charismatics are wrong. Because spiritual gift ceased, ceased in the first century. The perfect has replaced the partial. Here, charismatics are regarded as either second class and deceived believers. Or even non-believers altogether. We should all fit somewhere. From this typology, extremely narrow charismatics and anti-charismatics are all missing the right balance as set out in the Bible: the more excellent way and the bond of perfection, love, and humility. The Bible says, "If." In certain points, we disagree, God will give light. But to the point we've attained, let us work together. We can differ in view on the non-essential issues, but because of the ego, followers, reputation, selfishness. And people will create a big problem in this respect. The same applies to differing view on the rapture, even worse, pre, post, mid, you name it. It's a big problem, and you read some of the things people are writing against others, fellow believers, you ask yourself, are we serving the same Jesus, really? So that Peter shooting at Paul, Now, because God is Spirit, salvation, no. The church is an heavenly institution. The church came, originated from heaven. It's not a man-made fabrication, no. You see, at the day of Pentecost, something happened. Demonstrating where the church is from. Like a mighty rushing wind. Something unprecedented in the whole history. The Holy Spirit visited humankind. God will dwell in people. Sinners like us confidently, and you knew it because the Holy Spirit testified to your heart that he lives in you. You know that. And you can speak about him boldly, undisturbed. Because on that day, he descended in the church. The church started, remember, Although the Lord had called disciples and appointed apostles, he put in the future the building of his church. I will build my church. At the day of Pentecost was the birth of the church because of the presence and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the church. You don't find the Holy Spirit outside the church. Because the church has the ministry to spread, to propagate the gospel of Christ. And they go hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. Remember what I said last time? They are the two spies in this world, fulfilling God's mission. So, as the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit is there to fulfill the promise of God, to give life to the word. Because the text, the scripture kills. but it's the spirit that gives it life. You've heard of the New World translation Bible, yeah, Jehovah Witnesses. A dot, a semicolon, column. Yeah, not column. Yeah, thank you. I remember that. I always say semicolon, she said no semicolon. Semicolon. <laughs> <laughs> That's <good>, you <yeah. laughs> That's how hard it is to speak English. <laughs> a punctuation can make a whole difference in the text. In fake Bibles you find this. you will receive the power. Semicolon. is that one? Division? Good. The Holy Spirit. That makes a whole difference. The implication is that the Holy Spirit is just a power. Just because of that punctuation. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So it's the Holy Spirit that is giving that power. It's not just a power. It's not magic. It's not new age. No. Fraud. And you can see the implication of that. Faith is a power. God must obey to our instructions because we have faith. So we can move him from his throne. Because we have faith, wow, fraud. We can declare things and make everything happen. Because in the beginning was the word. Yeah, but it's the word of God, it's not my word. It's the word of God that has that creative power. Where well, I know death and life Uh, On your tongues, people quote that. The Bible says if we confess Jesus Christ, we will be saved. It's about us confessing and believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouth that we receive life. If you're not convinced with this, go outside, begin to make declaration. Let's see how much you will achieve. Lies. Magic. Hinduism yoga, new age and the disguise of the Holy Spirit's face to trouble, to spy out our liberty by stealth. Well people who deny the gift of the Holy Spirit sometimes they quote apostolic fathers, one of them being Chrysostom or even St. Augustine quoting them, well, I honor the Apostolic Fathers but not all of them. Just because they they lived, some of them in the time of the Apostles, just because some of them had been in contact with the Apostles does not mean they were right. Why am I saying that? In the book of Galatians, Paul is saying, that some people had introduced themselves in the church by stealth to spy out our liberty. Those were church leaders teaching the gospel, but the fake one in the days of Paul. And Paul had the burden to correct that and to preserve. So just because someone is quoting someone who lived in that style does not mean it's right. We've got to be careful. We've got to select them what they say still need to be tested against what the Bible says. There is a spiritual dimension in the life of the church and the believers. Announced by the Lord himself in Mark sixteen seventeen, he gives a list of things that will follow the believers. Which we cannot do with our own intelligence, intellect is impossible. Casting out demons, that's part of the Christian ministry. Laying hand on the sick, them recovering their health, is part of the Christian ministry, all the time. Speaking in new tongues, unlearned tongues, that's part of the Christian ministries. There's nothing we can do about that. So the Lord is showing that the church, though we are physical being, we are spiritual being and the church operates also in the spiritual world realm. You know, demons are not visible. They're not visible. And so many people suffer from demons, but the church, Christ, has deposited in the church, has given his Holy Spirit where the church can confidently pray for people, any believer, any not just the Pope, any, but the Pope. <laughs> any believer can pray in the name of Christ, in dwell with his spirit, pray for salvation, present the gospel to someone, pray for his salvation, pray for the sick people, cast out demons, any believers. And the church has the responsibility to teach the believers how those things work. They are not random activities. Remember the disciples themselves. They came to the Lord and said, teach us how to pray. So you need to be, we need to be taught how to pray. Those are not just idle words flowing everywhere. Well you know one day the disciple came back, you know, very happy, oh Lord listen, even demons obey us, we've been able to do this. The Lord said, oh that's very good. Rejoice that your names are written above. And another day they came back with a very serious failure. Oh, Lord, it didn't work this time. Tell us what happened. Those demons were tough. What happened? The Lord might have said, bad habits. You thought you could just do it by yourself. There are a specific category of demons that do not just go like that. You need to fast and pray. Different action in different situations. I.e., we need God to guide in everywhere. These things need to be taught to believers. Otherwise, we run into trouble with everyone doing his own things. You know? I've heard of people, sick people with empty cup, you know, drinking the blood of Christ in order to cure stomach. What is that? I've seen places where All the children, every day on their birthday, they have to pour oil on them. In 2007, we were in Canada in Assiniboia, and I was ministering there, talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. After the service, I prayed and said, Amen. Before I went back to my seat, as always, the pastor came very quickly and said, Brother Guy. He had a bottle of oil. Brother Key, here is oil if you want to minister in any way. I, I said, but I've just done that for an hour. <laughs> so there will always be a bottle of oil somewhere for the show time for the sheep. Where is that in the Bible? Where? After the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples continued to pray in the upper room. They were filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, being filled and being baptized with the Holy Spirit can sometimes mean different things and can sometimes mean the same thing. Because you can see people who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit The Bible uses expressions such as as Peter stood up, filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? In that particular moment, the Holy Spirit is doing something with Peter. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit in the presence of the Lord for a particular thing. But those people were already baptized with the Holy Spirit. So sometimes it can mean two different things, but sometimes it can mean the same initial thing. Remember, these disciples here, they were believers. They came to Christ. And from time to time, the Lord had breathed on them his spirit. But still he says, tarry, wait in Jerusalem. Because now you need to be baptized completely immersed because of the mission that is ahead of you. Why? To be his witness. It's not a temporary thing. Intermittent is a permanent thing and they were prepared to die for that. To witness his death, resurrection, testimony from heaven. Humility and love very important. Remember the topic today? The testimony and the act of the Holy Spirit. Which means we're going to do some readings. And the the best place to start or the only place to be is in the book of Acts. This is what happened regarding the Christian doctrine. In the four gospels The Christian doctrine is taught or announced. In the book of Acts, it is put into practice. In the epistles, it is explained. If something is not explained, in the in the in the epistles, we can do without it. We can do without it. An example of that is the tongues of fire, the tongues as of fire at Pentecost, falling on the believers. We don't have a clear explanation of that, that's number one. Number two, As far as I know, that is not happening every day. I don't have any testimony of that happening. And it's not deeply explained, alluded to. We can do without that. John the Baptist baptized with water, but Christ baptized with spirit and fire. Differing understanding, differing understanding of the baptism of fire. Some people relate to that incident at Pentecost. Some people think it's to do with the Holy Spirit washing away, cleaning us from sins, referring to Isaiah 4.4. And some people think it's to do with the final judgment where people will be sent to hell for disobeying Christ and rejecting his. So I'm presenting those three options to you with no further comments. Let's move faster now and turn to the book of Acts. The reason I'm doing this and we doing this is because we want to remind ourselves that there are things we cannot do just with our own knowledge or preferences or traditions. We need God. Let's start with Act 8. Act 8. Starting from verse 5, that's Act 8 from verse 5. I think this is happening in Samaria. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitude with one accord hid the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracle which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lamed were healed. And there was great joy in that city. (coughs) But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Verse 10. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Twelve. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Thirteen. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to come. Verse 15. Who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 17. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hand may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me, amen. That's the Holy Spirit in action. That's a direct confrontation. The authority of the church. As believers, we need to take God and His word seriously. We need to depend on God. We need to trust God. The word of God are not empty words, it's life. We need God. For the sake of time, we'll read maybe just one one or two short passages there, or I can just quote them for you. Something happened in Samaria here. This man here thought he could buy, buy the gift of God with money. Unfortunately, that is happening today, but people are buying something else. Another spirit for another Jesus through another gospel. In Africa, we know of preachers who travel to India. They go to Hindu temples to take magics. Even here, they've told me, in Tottenham, people are going there, buy oils and all sorts of things because they want to replicate these things. And people are following them. But that's called deception. And this man was trying to do that. He was interested in power. But see how he was challenged by the apostles? That's what we need. The fake must be overcome by the genuine. Not by false sense of security and panic. If one person stand here during the service and start manifesting a gift, whether it's true or fake, we will know. <laughs> we will know. Because the Lord has not just left us like that. He has left his spirit and his Word by which we can test. We will know. All we need to know, all we need to do is to let that person go to the end. That's all you need to do. Because if you stop the person, the person will say you are quenching the spirit. And we try to take profit, capitalize on that. You let the person go to the end. Even if there is, thus says the Lord, by the word of God and his spirit, you will know what is happening. Simple things, easy things. But because of panics, you know what people do? When someone does something not quite right, and people go very quickly and they tap him on the shoulder. Sorry, can you sit down? And the person will create riots, dissension, and say, they've quenched the spirits. God was speaking. They are rebellious people. Now, what does the Bible say? One is giving a gift. All the rest keep quiet and listen. Listen. You will know whether it's of God or not. We will see that next time. We mentioned in the house of Cornelius how people speak in tongue upon receiving the word of God. But we have a bigger things happening in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus. There was the great temple of Diana, Aphrodite, Cynthia, sorry, sorry for names. <laughs> Artemis, etc. It's the same changing names, Venus, the same changing names. Mary? Sorry. <laughs> 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 so something big happens as the apostle preached the gospel there. The business of selling shrines and idols bankrupt. The business failed as a result of the transforming power of the gospel. People were changing, coming to Christ, bringing books, magic books at the feet of the apostles. Very expensive magic books that were burned in the presence of all. Well, we cannot associate Christ with belials. We cannot eat at the table of Christ and the table of demons. Do not play with fire. See, things get complicated because of Christians sitting on the fence. If we come to Christ, we really come to Christ. And because we forsaken everything, our only hope and security becomes Christ. We cling on to him. If we have other hopes, look warm. It's not going to work. It has to be Christ leading us and leading his church. I think we're gonna stop there. We've been listening for quite a while and thank you for your patience. We need to rediscover the fear of the Lord because initially that's what happened. Those who gladly received the word of God were baptized. The fear of the Lord was among the church and God was there fulfilling his will and his purpose. The church was growing physically, organically, and spiritually. What does the Bible say in Act 9.31? Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And working in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. That's the growth that comes from Christ. May God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you, Lord, that you've revealed to your church to us things hidden to the wise of this world. As your children, Lord, we humble ourselves under your mighty hands. We exalt you among your congregation, your household, and we pray that, Lord, you raise us up where we are weary and tired of the work and the pilgrimage, the journey. Come, Lord, and raise us up. Help us, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper in this deep weakness we feel, Lord. Help us, Lord, in this ever perilous time. To be courageous, to look unto Jesus and to have the joy of this world growing dim. Change us, Lord, in your likeness. We are just the clay and you are the porter. Make us Lord, vessel of honor according to your will and purpose. We cry out to you for our congregation. We thank you, Lord, for saving us. We thank you, Lord, for the fellowship of the brethren. We pray that, Lord, you continue to preserve us against falsehood and deception. You bless us, Lord, and you make us, Lord, people according to your will, what you want us to be. Good shepherd, we are just the sheep of your pastures. We pray that, blessed Savior, you, the overseer, the bishop of our our souls, you continue to lead each and every one of us. We pray for us as a church and as individuals that you help us every day, Lord, in our work with you. Help us, Lord. We need your mercy. We need your grace, O oh Lord. We pray that, Lord, you baptize us with your spirit. You fill us with the same. You renew us in the same. You clothe us with the same for the sake of the ministry and to your glory. Blessed be your name, Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.